unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Just ahead on today's show, our special guest will be Tim Murray from VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Tim will be here to talk about sports gambling, its effect on broadcasting, his journey to Vegas, and uh, about one of his bosses, the great Brent Musburger. Tim is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. Well, the divisional round, many consider to be the best part of the playoffs in the National Football League, have concluded. Buffalo advancing to the AFC Championship with a lackluster 17-3 win over Baltimore, but Bills Nation, the Bills Mafia folks, more than happy to uh, finally have their team back in championship contention. They will travel to Kansas City, who lost Pat Mahomes to a concussion, and they hold on to a 22-17 win over Cleveland. Chad Henney runs for 14 yards on 3rd and 15, and then executes a ballsy 4th and 1 call on a short completion to Tyreek Hill to seal the victory when Tony Romo's screaming, they're not going to run a play, and Andy Reid, he does what nobody else expects. Sure, he gets roasted if that play doesn't work, but uh, Andy Reid now, third straight championship game appearance for the Chiefs. And this is the second time Andy Reid has gone to three consecutive championship games. <laughs> is he not a Hall of Fame coach or what? And it'll be interesting to see if Pat Mahomes will be healthy enough for the Buffalo game this coming Sunday. Green Bay moves on to host the NFC title game 32-18 over the Rams, who gave a pretty gutsy performance. They were not the same on defense without Aaron Donald. And uh, the big, long touchdown pass to Lazard, the backbreaker from Aaron Rodgers, who will get to play in a championship game at home for the first time. And Tampa Bay, following the script they planned all along when signing Tom Brady. They down the Saints 30-20. Looks like Drew Brees' last game, I mean, based on how he left the stadium, the photos with him and Brady on the field after post-game, the optics tell you he's probably hanging it up, but he will take his time to evaluate, and who knows, maybe he decides that three-interception performance not the way he wants to go out. And uh, if the Bucks make the Super Bowl, you know, I... Came out immediately and said, hey, you're going to have a 43-year-old quarterback. Don't just expect a Super Bowl. <laughs> well, if they do that, I'm going to have to do the Fonz admission. I was... I was... <laughs> because uh, Brady is on the brink. And uh, he is uh, getting it done, even at 43 years of age. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show this week from Beeson, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, where he's heard weekdays from 5 to 7 on My Guys in the Desert, and he was the very first guest when I started doing guests on Jeff Allen Sports Talk. How about that? It is our pleasure to welcome once again to the show 
Tim Murray. Tim, thanks so much for being here. Anytime. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure. Change of scenery for me, but uh, yeah, it's it's good to be on. Yeah, last time you were on, you were uh, uh, the studio host for Navy Radio and uh, did a UCF Navy uh, hit with me. And uh, I think you were you were still doing the morning show at SB Nation at that time, if I'm not mistaken, or pretty close to around that time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, you know, the radio world is, is kind of cruel. Uh, but you know, when it's rolling, it's, it's the greatest gig ever. So, uh, yeah, I was at SB nation radio for, Oh, I want to see four or five years, uh, in doing their morning show. Um, and, uh, yeah, the Navy radio squad, uh, you know, is, is so much fun. You know, you know, Jeff, I'm a huge college football guy is just like you. And, uh, so that was, that was uh, incredible to be on the Navy team for, for three years. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of a, a whirlwind how many different things have come about. And uh, here I am sitting in Las Vegas now. Yeah. And of course, uh, kind of what got pro- you propelled to Vegas was uh, doing uh, the Daily Line on NBC Sports Radio, uh, which was uh, not only just a radio show, but uh, television as well across the uh, NBC Sports properties. Um, so did you always have a fascination with sports gambling or is it something you just kind of picked up? What's uh, how did you kind of fall into that? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, I got into it um, a little bit more, more fascination wise uh, when I got to uh, ESPN 980 in Washington, DC. Uh, I worked there for uh, full time for about four or five years uh, around the same time as SB Nation radio, but uh, what really got me into it was a show host there. His name's Kevin Sheehan. Uh, used to do, uh, he still does it. It's called the smell test. And this is what really got me intrigued into, uh, into betting. Uh, the premise is, you know, if there's a line that seems fishy, seems off, um, you go the other way. You go against your ish, initial intuitions, right? Uh, it's a pretty simplistic thing. Uh, a little, him and Van Pelt are very uh, good buddies. And, you know, he, when he, Van Pelt gives out winners uh, on, uh, on his show in college football, it's kind of uh, the contrarian play. So that got me into it and got me kind of uh, in, intrigued about it. And, uh, you know, uh, dabbled in college football mostly, but, you know, with, uh, with the shows that we would do, especially on SB Nation Radio, uh, we would do NFL picks against the spread. And, and, and you know, it, it's, it's starting to get more ingrained in, uh, in our everyday. And then uh, fast forward ahead to uh, the fall of 2018. And uh, things, uh, you know, for me outside of Navy at that point in time were not great. You know, I had, uh, the SB Nation radio show had gone away. Um, and uh, I was no longer full time at 980, uh, the ESPN radio affiliate. So I was uh, I was doing some uh, behind the scenes work um, for NBC Sports Washington, which is a regional network uh, that carries the Caps and the Wizards. And um, I was sitting there at the digital desk, and they and you know they wanted to get into sports gambling. And uh, oddly enough, Kevin Sheehan was. Uh, I think initially thought of for the show, he, he didn't want to do it. And he recommended me, uh, myself and Michael Jenkins. We had a, uh, uh, a very quick introduction. Uh, we did about four or five segments together. And uh, the next morning, uh, they offered me the gig and we were off and running. That was uh, January 2, 2019 is when the show launched on radio. And then uh, we hit the uh, television airwaves in August of 2019 
And then, uh, you know, unfortunately, with the, with the pandemic hitting and uh, NBC Sports Radio prior to the pandemic uh, really shutting sports down in March, um, they, they were going away. So it was just kind of a perfect storm of uh, unfortune there. Uh, but, you know, things happen for a reason. And, uh, and then shortly thereafter, VEASAN came calling. Yeah. And, you know, it, it wasn't really that many years ago that sports gambling was kind of more relegated, relegated to like late nights, weekends, yeah. things like that. And do you think professional leagues beginning to embrace the genre kind of help fuel things as far as that goes? I, I think it's it's been a multitude. Um, I, I think, you know... I think fantasy football helped, um, you know, the popularity of that. And, uh, and, and I think people recognizing, you know, what kind of money making operation uh, sports gambling has always been. Um, you know, people have been doing it for a long time and uh, they've been finding ways to do it. And then I think states were starting to recognize, okay, you know, we can legalize this, we can tax it. And, uh, and, and the more it became popular, the more these networks started to embrace it and recognize, wow, there's a lot of interest. There, so many people are doing this. Let's, let's start to figure out how to embrace it. And that's what the professional sports leagues are doing. You know, they're, they're recognizing that people want to gamble. Um, and I think the mindset is, you know, I, Players make a lot of money. I, I don't think they'll be on the take. Uh, that's my my assumption, you know. And and look out here, the Gaming Commission of Nevada is no joke. I mean, they they don't, you know. People think you can gamble on anything. That is not true. Uh, mm. They have a strict strict policies. You know, you have to be able to prove things. Uh, so like free agency is something you can't bet on uh, in in Nevada. So um, you know, everyone thinks you can bet on anything under the sun. It's just not true in Nevada. Those are more for the the offshore shops and and uh, the less regulated but um yeah i mean it, it it makes a lot of sense and i've said this and i'll continue to say it i think baseball and i'm a huge baseball fan i think baseball of all of the four main sports leagues in my opinion could benefit the most from embracing gambling and i know the pete rose and the black Sox scandal you know but those were a long time ago, and you kind of got to get with the times. And uh, I am not a big Manfred Fran fan, mm -hmm. uh, but I think this is a way to, uh, in my opinion, uh, to really get younger fans interested in it. And, uh, and, and we'll see what happens when it comes to baseball. Yeah, and it really has become – big money in the broadcast business, you know, ESPN has now set up studio yep. in Vegas. And of course the, the operation with, with uh, VEASAN, you know, and, you know, people probably were thinking, you know, Brent Musburger is, you know, walking away from the number one play-by-play -play gig in college football to go start a, a gambling operation in Vegas. And uh, he proved to be a very wise move on his part. Yeah, it's been great. You know, uh, Brent is doing also play-by-play -play for the Raiders, uh, mm -hmm. so that's pretty cool. Uh, he he certainly uh, comes on as 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 frequently as as he can on our show. Uh, I mean, it was it's his show, honestly. I mean, I, I'm just you know, we didn't take his spot. He he took a I think he did a little step back, and you know, with the Raiders and everything like that. And he's getting up there in age, but yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, it was very. Um, I give the folks at VEASAN just a, a remarkable about amount of credit for uh, the foresight uh, for this thing starting and uh, kind of, it's still a startup, but they're, you know, you know, and you're seeing it with all the different companies out there, you know, DraftKings, obviously, FanDuel, uh, PointsBet, 
Uh, there's just a whole host of, of companies that want to get involved. And the more and more states that, that legalize it, the more companies we're going to see. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, we're, we're excited here at, you know, VSIN. We just got a deal with uh, iHeartRadio. So we're hoping to be on uh, more terrestrial affiliates across the country, which is very exciting, uh, you know, the streaming wise and, and, and all of that. So, but yeah, I mean, look, competitors are popping up and that's terrific in my opinion. I've always, I, I think th- there are pl- plenty of people who, who want, the the gambling knowledge and and the great thing about it is it's not you know you remember how it used to be jeff right you'd, you'd be up like at two o'clock in the morning and you'd you'd be going to bed and you left the tv on and you know johnny locksmith would be calling <laughs> for the 800 number i mean it's it's no longer that way anymore it's you know we you know our ep our executive producer and uh, many others believe that VEASAN is, is the uh, CNBC of, of sports gambling. You know, give you the information and you decide what to do. You know, we're not all about shelling, you know, you know locks and all that stuff because a lock truly doesn't exist. It, yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, you, know, you want to hear it. You, you get asked all the time, but it's just it doesn't exist. So you put out the information and then your viewer uh, makes the determination, uh, you know, what they want to do. And I think that's kind of the mindset. And, you know, that's why, you know, it, me being part of it is exciting because, you know, I'm a host by trade. I'm not a sports handicapper. I'm just a host that likes to gamble. So that's kind of been my role here is uh, teeing up these experts and uh, getting their opinions on it. And I'll, I'll add in my two cents from time to time. Yeah. And of course, Brent Musburger, you know, generations have, you know, he's, he's the voice of, of sports for, oh, yeah. for, for many, many ages, you know, so you get a chance to work with him. You still kind of have to kind of pinch yourself a little bit. And- it's wild. You know, I, uh, I'll pull this up. I don't know. I don't know if you keep the video. So this is the ticket from the uh, national championship of 2012, 2012 season, 2013 was the game. And uh, it, it dawned on me. He was on the show the other day and I'm like, Oh my God, Brent Musburger called that game. And, you know, here we are chumming it up. Uh, yeah, it's, it's surreal. I mean, and, you know, him saying my name is, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a pinch me moment, uh, you know, joking around with him. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's incredible. Uh, he's, he's so great to deal with. And, uh, uh, but, yeah, it is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really remarkable thinking back to you, you forget sometimes, you know, just how big Brent, was slash is i mean the the guy called the catholics versus convicts game uh, as you could tell notre dame fan here um but uh you know he's he's called so many iconic games and he's been around and he knows so many people and he's still calling games which is great you know hearing him on the radio here locally for the raider games and him losing his mind uh uh, when uh, I'm trying to remember the game, uh, when uh, I think it was when the Raiders took the lead against the Dolphins uh, on that Sunday night, that wild Sunday night game. So yeah, it, it's 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 surreal. It is, and uh, yeah, his uh, his uh, nephew is the CEO of the company, uh, Brian, and uh, he's you know he was the one who brought me out here, which is you know I'll forever be grateful for that. Yeah, you know, of course, you know, you know, Brent is like the godfather of Sunday morning NFL studio mm-hmm. shows. He's called the NBA. He's he's done, done everything. everything. Yeah, so it is. It's quite amazing. And the name of the show, "My Guys in the Desert," if I recall correctly, that was his coy way of uh, talking yeah. about a line in a college football broadcast without actually talking about the line. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's uh, he was always. 
you know, and Al Michaels is doing it now too. And, and that's the thing too. Broadcasters are, are dropping it in there. Um, I think it's a matter of time before, you know, we just saw uh, ESPN do an ESPN plus uh, broadcast of, um, of the wildcard game between the Bills and the Ravens where they incorporated uh, the NFL live crew, Mina Kimes, Dan Orlovsky, Laura Rutledge uh, doing analytics. But then they also included, you know, Doug Kazarian and, uh, and, and their crew, Joe Fortinball, um, which, was, uh, which, is, which is the wave of the future. It, it's, it's coming that way. Now, I don't think it's for everybody. I, and I'm not saying that regular broadcasts are, are going to the wayside, but I do think there's going to be – uh, you know, we saw the XFL try it. Um, you know, if, if the pandemic didn't hit, who knows? I mean, that, that league will be back in a year or two. Um, but they, they went about, you know, live lines and stuff like that. I, th- I think it's going to just be another way uh, where lines are starting to be very, um, I wouldn't say regular, uh, but I think it, it's starting. People are almost very quickly saying, um, you know, what's the line? What was the spread? And, and, and another person I'll give a ton of credit to, um, not that he needs my credit, it's, it's Van Pelt. Uh, you know, what they did with Bad Beats is uh, that segment is so popular. It's fun. And, uh, and now I think the way that people watch games, especially a blowout, and then you find out what the spread is. And you're like, oh, my goodness. You know, what does this mean, you know, to the spread? Is this it? You know, so it, it is, it's starting to get crept into, you know, I think uh, most regular sports fans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm not a gambler myself, but I don't judge those who do. And, and, but, you know, I have found myself, you know, figuring out, hey, no, that's a bad beat or, yeah. you know, hey, what was the line on that? And yep. so, you know, so then it has kind of creeped into the mainstream, if you will. And, and with the amount of programming that you do on VSIN, how important is it to have a balance of sports conversation that isn't gambling related? You know, it's, I mean, our network is pretty much, it's, it's all gambling. Um, which is, a, I, you know, I, I think it is a, a good thing. I've had a couple of buddies, you know, really enjoy the content that we bring because we just talk about games. And now, look, I, I have a sports talk background. So sometimes to me, I'm like, okay, that I, that I would normally lead with that. But, you know, how does that mean anything to the spread? So, and I think that's something that, um, you know, the higher ups and, and the people who kind of the visionaries of this network said, look, you know, controversial, you know, discussions that doesn't doesn't need to be on our, um, you know, on our airwaves, you know, COVID. Uh, obviously, we're, we're all dealing with that, right? If there's a po- postponement, a player uh, ruled out. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. But should these games being get played? That's that's not what we need to talk about. You know, mm. so it's uh, we are you know, gung-ho gambling all the time. Now, my previous show, The Daily Line, was four hours, and that was pretty challenging to just go sports gambling all the time. So they gave us a little bit of leeway there. But, uh, you know, you know, especially right now with so much going on, um, it, there's plenty to talk about. So, um, yeah, it, it, is, it is pretty much all sports gambling. You know, not that everything needs to be – hockey, you know, hockey line. Like, we're not all experts on all the sports, right? As you would imagine, a lot skewed towards football, um, you know, futures markets, all that stuff. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty much all sports gambling all the time. Yeah. 
All right, well, let me get to some thoughts on some other things. Uh, as you mentioned, you're a huge Notre Dame fan. You know, they've managed to crack the college football playoff, but they haven't quite gotten the results they desire. What will it take for Notre Dame to be able to kind of, you know, get the monkey off their back in that yeah. situation? That's a great question. Um, I think an elite quarterback helps, um, you know, look at, you know, I, I don't know if you consider Mac Jones an elite quarterback. Uh, he's very, he was very, very, very good. Uh, but, you know, it's five stars all over the place. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields. I mean, those types of quarterbacks. You, and look, Ian Book was tremendous. And, and what he was able to do as a three-star recruit uh, exceeded everybody's expectations. I mean, he leaves South Bend as the all-time winningest quarterback in school history. Uh, that, that's remarkable, uh, especially for a guy who didn't have a, uh, another Power Five uh, uh, scholarship offer outside of Washington State. So he, he was incredible, but you need someone better than Ian Book, unfortunately, if you want to get to the ultimate prize. And you just need to continue to keep recruiting at an elite level. You know, look at the players um, who, who have made uh, waves here for Notre Dame. I'm going to get a little inside Notre Dame here, but Kyle Hamilton, right? Five-star recruit. Uh, you know, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa was not a five-star recruit. He was actually a fringe three, four star, uh, but he's going to be a first round pick. Um, you know, Michael Mayer, their tight end this year, made huge plays, five-star recruit. You need more of these guys. I do think even though the results may not show it, and this isn't me being a homer, I, I, think, I, I think Notre Dame, if they have more playmakers, um, I, I think they are right there not right there. They're, they're getting closer because I think uh, in the trenches, they have gotten, they have taken strides if you compare 2012 to 2020. Um, but they need more skill position players. They need more team speed. And it's, it's challenging. They're getting there. Um, but I, I just think Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, to me, have separated themselves while Notre Dame has made strides. Notre Dame over the last four years is 43 and eight. I mean, it's the best run they've had since the early 90s, but they just can't get there yet uh, because Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State just reload every single year. So you need to consistently be top five in recruiting uh, and, and get those Owusu-Koromoa type of players to emerge. But you need, you need to have more of those five-star guys because uh, they're not going to all hit. And uh, if that one doesn't hit, then you just bring in the next one. And, of course, they did a one-year uh, membership with the ACC, which was brilliant given the conditions that college yeah. football was in. Do you think they should consider going full-time? I, I don't personally. Um, and uh, I, I think – I know there's some, some angst and, you know, people don't like it. But I, I think – you know, think about it this way. You know, Notre Dame went all ACC this year. Um, if they didn't, they would have had to play Wisconsin. They would have had to play USC, Stanford. USC and Stanford maybe weren't that great this year. They still would have played Clemson. Uh, they wouldn't have played North Carolina, which was a, a nice win. But um, I just don't see the benefit to going to the ACC, in my opinion. Look, they've got Ohio State on the schedule in, uh, in two years, which is crazy. But, um, you know, they want to keep that national brand. They want to play Navy every year. Uh, they want to play USC. They want to play Stanford. And uh, I, I think it's a nice marriage that they have right now with the ACC. Look, two years ago, when Notre Dame went to the Camping World Bowl, uh, if they were an ACC member, there's no doubt they would have went to the Orange Bowl. 
but they didn't because uh, that's part of the agreement. They get access to every other bowl, but not the orange bowl. So uh, it was beneficial. The, the, the agreement is mostly beneficial to Notre Dame, but sometimes it's not. Um, you know, they, they were an, a 10 and two football team that had to go to the Camping World Bowl to play Iowa State uh, instead of going to the Orange Bowl and play, uh, forget who UVA played that night. But regardless, um, yeah, I just think, I think that it's a good marriage right now. Um, and uh, me personally, I don't, I don't think it necessarily, uh, I think the ACC is a good spot for them. And, uh, you know, honestly, the crazy thing is, it's, it's, they could probably make more money if they go to a conference. Um, they're actually, you know, people think this NBC deal is, is making them tons and tons of cash. I mean, it's not hurting, but if they were a conference member, I think they would make more money. So I, I like them being an independent, uh, and, uh, and, and you know, what it comes down to too, is the ACC, it, it's a give and take, right? Because Notre Dame still got into the playoff this year, losing the ACC championship game. Um, and two years ago they were 12 and 0. And they would have had to play Clemson in the ACC championship in a hypothetical situation. And they would have lost that game because they lost the semifinal. And who knows if they get in. So the margin of error is thin, uh, but they also don't have to play that championship game. So uh, I, I understand why there's frustrations from the, the people, the Big 12 or, or, or whatnot. Do you think the college football playoffs should be expanded? You know, it's funny. I, I didn't for so long. And now I do. Um, and I, I, this, to me, this year was the breaking point, which the Cincinnati situation, um, and, and look, do I think Cincinnati would have beaten Alabama? No, but who can, uh, they just got, they just beat Ohio state by 28, you know, the, the playoff committee can say all they want. And I, and I've defended them for, for a while, you know, with, with your squad, UCF, you know, I was like, okay, you know, maybe they didn't deserve, but for Cincinnati, what else, you know, for them to drop spots, um, the Coastal Carolina situation really frustrated me this year because, you know, you look at Iowa State, who's a good football team playing well at the end. But what happened? They kept ascending and they had a common opponent with Coastal Carolina. Ohio State lost to UL, Monroe, or UL Lafayette. Coastal beat them. Coastal was undefeated. Iowa State had two losses. And I just, it didn't make sense to me. And now I, I think realistically, um, now that we saw uh, the, the football season stretch into late December, the, 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 the thought process of, hey, they've got finals, all this, it, that's kind of been thrown out the window. Uh, I think eight would be tremendous. Um, and I, I think my perfect world, uh, the, 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 my biggest hesitation has always been at-large bids, or sorry, uh, auto bids, mm-hmm. because I don't want, I want the best teams in there. And if we go to eight, auto bids are coming. And that means we could have a year. Maybe it's rare, but let's say Arizona State is seven and five of the Pac-12 South, and then they beat Oregon. And now you're looking at an eight and five Pac-12 champ getting into the playoffs. So that's always been my biggest hesitation and what I didn't like about that. But at the end of the day, uh, I think it's, it's the way that we got to go and, uh, and I think we'd get some great matchups because in, the, uh, in, re- in reality, think about what we would have had this year in 4-5. We would have had Notre Dame and Texas A&M. I think that would have been a great game. Uh, we would have had uh, Oklahoma playing at the level they were playing at against Ohio State in a, in a quarterfinal. So we would have got some really intriguing matchups. We would have seen Cincinnati. Uh, but 
we would have probably we would have seen Oregon and uh, you know a four and two Pac-12 champ wouldn't have been that enticing. Uh, but I, I think we're at the point where uh, I do think we need eight because it, it it's rigged. It's rigged against the the AAC and and the Mountain West. It is, and uh, they can't get in. It, it, it you know Cincinnati next year. If you look at it, there'll be a preseason top ten team. They have Notre Dame. They have Indiana. If they run the table and they don't get in, uh, I mean, it, it, it's 100% rigged. Especially with two Power 5 opponents on the schedule, one being Notre Dame, which will probably be a top 10, 15 team next year. Yeah, and we, and we kind of saw that with UCF. They were told yep. after their undefeated season, well, if you're on the table again, sure, you'll be considered. Yep. That didn't happen. <laughs> so. no, it's, it is. I mean, I, I think UCF and, and Cincinnati. Look, Cincinnati's schedule wasn't that daunting. But, look, it's a, it's a bizarre year. And uh, do I think Notre Dame, Cincinnati should have gotten in over Notre Dame? Even, even me being a Notre Dame fan, I don't because Notre Dame did have two top 15 wins in North Carolina uh, and Clemson. But that all being said, I mean, this was kind of the year to say the heck with it. You know, you just got destroyed in the ACC championship. Texas A&M, you lost by 28 to Alabama. Oklahoma, you have two losses. Let's just put Cincinnati in. Let's just appease the people, put them in. But they dropped Cincinnati when they didn't even play games. So it was very frustrating. And uh, to me, it put me over the top that we have to go to eight. Yeah. And of course, you at one time called minor league baseball. I had uh, the opportunity to do that uh, once upon a time myself. Um, And with the shrinking of the minor league baseball system coming up is certainly heartbreaking to me because, you know, it it shortens the path for guys to get to the big leagues. And in small cities, you know, it's a pretty important fabric of the community. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? It's outrageous uh, what they're doing, and it makes no sense. And, uh, you know, I've gone off a couple times about it. Um, you know, they, they called this the Astros plan. Um, you know, think about that uh, before everything unfolded. So great. We're going to follow the Astros plan, the cheaters. Cool. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, look, it, 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 you talk about growth of the game, right? They're, they're so, we got to get the young minor league baseball is the growth of the game. The, the, the attendance is up, you know, and it really hits home to me because, uh, the team that I worked for, for three years, uh, is no longer an affiliated baseball team, the Frederick Keys. It is, it is heartbreaking. That is a great city. Um, you know, could they have a better ballpark? Sure. Um, but they always had really good fan attendance. Uh, it's, a, it's a stone's throw away from, from Baltimore, from Washington, D.C. And uh, if you don't want to spend a ton of money to go to a, a professional baseball, uh, to, you know, the Nats or the O's, you go there, and uh, it, it's it's heartbreaking what they're doing, and uh, and and also recognizing. Look, man, I mean, we do have players that are undrafted free agents that make their way up to the big leagues. You know, Mike Piazza was, uh, I think, sixty second round pick or whatever it was. It's it's just embarrassing what Manfred has done to cripple the minor leagues uh, this way when it's such a fabric. Uh, of of these communities and so many teams are are gone the Appalachian League look they get to play you know uh, summer league ball it's, it's cool but it's it's not the same and, and I know some of these towns are you know n- not thriving as they once were but it, it, it's really heartbreaking to me and you know people lose lost their jobs you know it, it's and you know we may not see um, 
you know, players that, that made it up through the system and, uh, and got into the big league. So it's, it's devastating. Um, and, uh, it's really unfortunate what, uh, what Manfred and, and the, and major league baseball did. Yeah. I always enjoyed the aspect of, you know, you know, attending minor league games and getting to work and work in the broadcast, you know, to see, you know, guys make it to the major league level and, yeah. and, and you could even see, the potential in them at the time and, and you know, Oh yeah, he's going to be something. So that, that is definitely something that will be missed. Um, you covered the Olympics for Westwood one radio. And uh, you know, I'm thinking about Tokyo, you know, the Olympics will be a far bigger bubble situation than what the NBA and NHL did. I mean, it almost seems like it would be darn near impossible. What do you think about the, the prospects of uh, Tokyo in 21? Yeah, I think it's going to happen. And uh, hopefully, um, I mean, July, we, we can maybe get everyone vaccinated. But I do think there's the potential of a bubble. Um, you know, you just kind of you're in and no one's leaving. Um, but it, it, it's going to happen. And uh, and I love the Olympics. I mean, going and being part of that broadcast team is, uh, was the crowning achievement of my career. Uh, it was stunning how it came together and, uh, being over there, uh, was just unbelievable. So, um, you know, I'm excited for it to, to come back and, uh, yeah, I do think it's, I don't know how the feasibility will happen, but I think they'll figure it out. It's, it's obviously such a big money maker and, and the amount of money that, uh, cities have to put into it, you know, that they've got to get it done, but it's going to happen. Um, and I'm curious how it will be, uh, done. Um, I know Asia, I think is, is doing better with COVID than, you know, the United States, but, uh, so hopefully that's, you know, certainly continues to trend in the right direction. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have to imagine they'll figure out a way to get it done and, uh, it'll be great. It'll be great to watch. And what was your favorite uh, thing covering the Olympics? What was your favorite moment? Yeah, there was a couple. Um, you know, the United States women uh, beat Canada in the uh, women's hockey gold medal game. Uh, I wasn't there for it, but I was on the broadcast. Uh, so I was uh, studio side uh, in the IBC. And uh, that was incredible to, uh, to be part of that uh, when they won gold for the first time, I think since '02. Um, so that was really, uh, really fun to be a part of. And then, you know, there were, there were a lot of things, but I think the one that sticks out to me was, um, I was kind of a rover. Um, we had a lot of other people focused, you know, specifically on spots that we knew the United States would thrive because we were Westwood ones, you know, the United sending our audio obviously back to the United States. So people were on snowboarding, uh, people were on, uh, figure skating. So, when I was free from hockey broadcasts, uh, they would just kind of send me to events. And uh, I, I got to go to a lot of curling. Um, <laughs> and uh, the United States men uh, surprisingly won the gold. And uh, being there when they beat Sweden, uh, there was a, a, like a six-point uh, inning uh, when they really just locked down the gold medal. Uh, I have the whole thing on tape on my phone. Um, and then getting to talk to those guys after they won gold, which was, you know, they got off to such a terrible start. So that was, uh, that was a really cool moment to be a part of. And, uh, so yeah, it, it was, it was incredible. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get to go back to the Olympics, but I'll never forget being there. Yeah, that's for sure. And, uh, I listened to a podcast that still bears your name. Glenn Murray and Solly. And I guess you made an appearance this recently. So, I did, yeah. <laughs> so, I did. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, good to hear you back on that at least once in a while. And, uh, and 
you know, I, I trust you're enjoying life in Las Vegas uh, immensely. Yeah, we're, you know, it's like everything, you know, it's, it's not as uh, fun as, uh, as it will be and has been, but yeah, it's been great. Uh, you know, the family's out here. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to things getting a little normal at the, at, in the near future. Um, but no, it, it's good to be out here and, uh, yeah, who knows? It's, who knows how long we'll be out here, but it's, it's kind of wild to think, you know, here we are in Las Vegas. All right. Well, Tim Murray, you can hear him on VEASAN. My guys in the desert, 5 to 7 Eastern weekdays. And Tim, we thank you so much for being on the show. Anytime, man. Those are great. And with that conversation with Tim, I am reminded of a couple of things. Uh, you know, we talk about Brent Musburger. You know, as I've stated many times on NFL Sundays, when I had the Cowboys game on TV, I listened to the Cowboys radio broadcast on Sirius XM. And uh, recently, after one of their games concluded, the Raiders game was next on the channel. And I hear Brent... And, oh, I'm going to stick with this for a while. <laughs> it was great to hear Brent call a game. Hadn't heard that in, a, in quite a while. And talking about minor league baseball, and, you know, and how minor league memories can be etched into your memory, to me, just as much as major league baseball memories, back in the days of the old Orlando Twins, I always think about, you know, because you, you root for the players who are going to make it, and you root for the players who aren't going to make it to the big leagues. And I always think about one in particular, Mark Funderburk, who was a big, gregarious guy, could hit the ball a mile. And he was a fan favorite, and everybody loved him. But to a person, whenever his name would come up a conversation, (laughs) the line was usually, it's too bad he can't hit a (laughs) curveball. That was his uh, Achilles heel, but uh, it it was fun. You know, Doc Estes was another Orlando twin that uh, I was a fan of. I think he got a cup of coffee in the bigs a couple of times, maybe. But uh, it is sad to see minor league baseball shrink. That is for sure. We're going to be back to close out with the TV theme in just a moment. No Republicans, no Democrats, no team from Washington, no team with a star on the side of their head. We don't even talk about alpha and beta storms around here. And if you believe all of that, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Captain and Company in the morning, join me 9 to noon, weekday mornings on OldSchool101.com, because class is always in session around here, virus or no virus. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a That is the theme from The Golden Girls, created by Susan Harris. It aired on NBC from 1985 to 1992 with 180 episodes over seven seasons. The show starring B. Arthur, Rue McClanahan, Estelle Getty, and Betty White, who turned 99 this past weekend. Happy birthday. And it was about four older women who share friendship at a home in Miami. And, uh, you know, Susan Harris was uh, uh, the brains behind uh, her and uh, uh, Paul Jungerwit and Tony Thomas, executive producers on many uh, uh, shows. And in particular, uh, the Golden Girls, 
had a had a moment in the show where they'd always be talking around the uh, table in the kitchen, which was a staple of the sitcom Soap, when all the women would gather around the kitchen table and talk about their relationships and risque things and all that good stuff. And the Golden Girls picked that up. Of course, it's one of my wife's favorite shows, so she's often binging on that one. And uh, a show that uh, had critical acclaim, winning several awards, including Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Comedy Series twice, three Golden Globes for uh, Best Television Series, Musical or Comedy. Each of the four stars has received an Emmy, making it one of only four sitcoms in that award's history to achieve that. And uh, the series was ranked in the top ten six of its seven seasons. And as far as Betty White celebrating her 99th birthday in quarantine, said she would feed the two ducks that stop by to see her every day. And, you know, before she was an actress, she had wanted to be a forest ranger. She's a longtime animal activist, as you know. And uh, women were not allowed in the rangers at that time. The U.S. Forest Service did make Betty White an honorary forest ranger when she was 88. And she won five Emmy Awards in her career, nominated 21 times. And not only was a star in The Golden Girls, but a big part of another iconic series, The Mary Tyler Moore Show. Betty White, happy birthday. Happy 99th to you. And on this Martin Luther King Day, here's our hopes that his message of love, peace, and understanding resonates in this year of 2021. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Cell is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.